On today's episode of Locked On Pirates, we're going to be talking about some of the farm system's best performers so far through the year 2023, going from AAA Indianapolis all the way down to High A Greensboro. I'll be joined by Craig Toth, our prospect expert here on the Locked On Pirates podcast, brought to you by Bird Dogs and Rocket Money. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, your Indianapolis Indians, your Altoona Curve, and your Greensboro Grasshoppers every single day. Now, it's just, it, we'll just make it Thursdays for now. <laughs> uh, maybe later in the year, we'll talk more about uh, <clears throat> prospects. Sorry, I lost my voice there a little bit. But we're joined by Craig Toth, who's seeing the new graphics for the first time. Hopefully, you guys are all enjoying these. Uh, yeah, the confusion that went through Craig's mind when he saw StreamYard and the invite link was pretty funny. He was like, wait, I'm not supposed to be doing this yet um, as we switch <laughs> platforms. So Craig, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, brother. Um, you know, the big league club has been disappointing a little bit lately. And so I feel like this is the time of year where people's minds kind of start mm -hmm. and their eyes start drifting down to see where the reinforcements can come from. And also you know, is where promotions can come from. And I always talk about the trickle down and trickle up effect. Mm -hmm. So if there's any injuries, you would know who would be, you know, maybe the first call up. Oh yeah, of course. And um, not a lot of people are probably focused on the minor leagues right now, obviously with the team in a spiral. Uh, lots of people of course are calling for Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis to be up here yet. Uh, I don't know how much of a difference it would make. It would make some difference, but I don't know if it would make a win and loss differential difference. Uh, just seeing where some of the issues on this team are, but I figured today would be a good time. The minor leagues are about 40 games in as the major league team is about on the 50 game track going into this weekend against Seattle, which is what we'll be talking about tomorrow on mailbag Friday. Um, but I figured let's, Take three hitters and three pitchers from each level and kind of talk about them. Now, what I will say, I am not the prospect guy. That is why Craig is here. That's why he's here every Thursday to kind of give his light on the minor leagues. Also, around draft season, you might see Craig a lot more than just Thursdays. I'll probably have him on for a lot of the draft segments that we're doing, centered around Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, Lankford, whoever the Pirates might take at one. Obviously, that's still two months away, so we're not going to worry about that right now. But I figured we start at AAA, and just from a statistical standpoint, that's where I took these. I looked at some of the statistics that jumped off the page for me. I said, okay, this guy is playing obviously well. And also, for lack of looking like a moron, I also did do it by either plate appearance or innings pitched. I didn't want to show a guy who has like a 500 average but has only appeared in like four games. So I – obviously sorted it by plate appearance and then i went down the line and said okay this ops is above average this average is above average all that good stuff so in triple a indianapolis right now we'll start with the hitters these are going to be some familiar names to a lot of the people here uh we'll start with nick gonzalez who of course on was on this show uh almost two years ago he was on this show quite a while ago uh find that interview if you want to on all of your audio platforms it's a really fun interview uh, with Nick Gonzalez. Uh, it actually jokingly plays in my car 
when I connect my car to Bluetooth every day. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, but right now, Nick Gonzalez, 263, 346, 451, 798 slash line, four home runs, 12 RBI, seven doubles, and three triples. Nick Gonzalez, ever since he was drafted seventh overall, uh, a lot of people called him the best pure hitter in that draft class uh, when he was selected. He's always kind of had some expectations on him, Craig. So what does that stat line and what has he done in AAA so far this year to that has impressed you and what are some things that you think he needs to work on? Well, with Nick Gonzalez, I mean, the big thing for him is that I was hoping this would be a year without injury. Uh, the injury wasn't as severe as it had been in previous years. Uh, last year, he had his Achilles injury. The year before that, mm -hmm. he had his hurt his pinky down in Greensboro. This time, it was a little bit of a sore shoulder. Uh, gave him a little bit of time off. Since he's been back, uh, that's why the stat lines look as good or, you know, you don't really look at, at average as much anymore, but as a pure hitter, you would want to see him, you know, more in like the, the 280, 290 range uh, mm -hmm. for that. Uh, but he's come back as he has every single time after injury and, and has kind of started to perform. So I don't know if it's, that's like a reset for him. I uh, big thing for Nick Gonzalez, every single time you talk about him is going to be the strikeouts. I, uh, yeah. Since he's been back, I believe his strikeouts are below 30%, around like 28%. Uh, that might be like what you're going to get from him. The walk rates have been up the, up over 10% at this point in time. So, I mean, you were thinking you were probably getting a guy who hit for average, hit for some power, you know, didn't strike out a whole lot. And what we've gotten is a guy who – you know, can hit for average, can hit for power, but maybe strikes out a little bit more than somebody who has a similar profile. He has the strikeout rates of a guy that you would expect to hit, you know, 25, 30 home runs, and he's going to be a guy that hits you 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the big thing for him has been uh, he's probably not going to be a shortstop at this point in time. They have played him there somewhat. You saw him play a little bit of third base in spring training that's kind of tied over into uh, his time in AAA, but some of that might have even been because of Jared Triolo being out. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's become pretty much like a uh, – he's a second baseman. So that yeah. limits, you know, where he can play, and that was a concern when he was drafted is if he could stick a shortstop – you know, Chris and I over on our show, uh, Bucks in the Basement, always talk about drafting as many shortstops as humanly possible. But it kind of seems like all the shortstops that we draft are shortstops that, you know, project to be second baseman. I mean, I, I won't say that for Tamar Johnson just yet. We've seen him playing some shortstop. I go over and, and follow my, my friends at Florida Prospect Report for that because they have a lot of film on him. Uh, but for Nick Gonzalez, it's it's going to be the strikeouts. Once you get into the the upper you know echelon of of minor league baseball, it it only fluctuates a little bit. So if he was like a thirty one percent, you may see that go down to twenty six. If I saw Nick Gonzalez with a twenty six percent strikeout rate and was walking over ten percent, I would on a regular basis I would be ecstatic. Mm -hmm. That's not what I expected uh, when we drafted him. Oh, yeah. And also because I do realize that this show may be a little long, it may be a two-parter for a lot of you guys just because, um, again, three hitters and three pitchers for each level. 
Um, so we'll move on to Malcolm Nunez, um, who is a guy that entering the year for me personally was a guy that I've kind of been laser focused on just because we don't really have a future option at first base. Santana has been very good defensively. He's been good with the bat for the most part. G-Man Choi has been injured, so Santana has had to take an elevated role over there. We've seen Connor, uh, Connor Joe have some time over there. But Malcolm Nunez obviously profiles a little bit more as a third baseman. We've seen him play third base a lot in the minor leagues, but the Pirates already have their third baseman, so that kind of creates a problem for him. But he has shown a willingness and an ability to play first. And we already know that the what comes with him with the bat, 255, 338, 369, 706 slash line, four home runs, 25 RBIs, and four doubles. So Nunez is having a pretty solid year so far as well. What do we expect from Nunez, though, to take the next step to eventually possibly be the first base option of the future once Santana and G-Man Choi are gone? It's power. I mean, for him, I I know that when he was in St. Louis systems, there were some concerns that the power was, uh, I guess it would be stadium or park induced. Uh, but even I watched a, a lot of film on that, a lot of video, and it wasn't like they were these little cheapy home runs. I mean, if mm-hmm. a ball goes, you know, 404 feet, it's a home run, you know, no matter where it's at. Uh, did show some of that power in Altoona as well last year. Got off to a slow start in Indianapolis. We do have to remember that he is, I believe he's only 22 years old, maybe soon to turn 23. So he's young for that level. So he you know, didn't get off to the quickest start. In, in May, uh, he's hitting over 300. Uh, we're starting to see more of that power come about. I, I believe the power is real. You see him, he looks a lot bigger uh, than he is, I guess it would be. I mean, he's yeah. he's a stocky kind of guy, only he's listed around like 5'10", uh, but looks bigger than that, if that kind of makes sense. Uh, and can he can play first base. Uh, he, uh, he showed that he can also play third base. I was wondering, you know, if he was moved over there just because – you know, of the footwork, of the fielding or whatever it would be. But if you look at the two systems he's been in, he's been in St. Louis. St. Louis has their third baseman. The Pirates, we have our third baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to kind of see if they could get him moving uh, up through the system a little bit quicker. And like you said, with the Pirates, we haven't had a first baseman come up through our system who's been a first baseman uh, since Kevin Young. So yeah. – for if that is going to happen, he's going to have to continue. But for me, as long as you know the power is there, the average and the OPS, you know, stay. You know, he's might be that two fifty five, two sixty five type of guy. Get an OPS, hopefully, maybe you know, creeping up over eight hundred would be nice to see. Uh, but I, I believe he can feel the position. I mean, he's not the the best. Uh, defensive first baseman in our system that's mason martin Mm -hmm. who we'll probably get to but we know what the concern is with him as well that's not really a concern in in malcolm nunez's game i mean the guy walks at a decent clip doesn't strike out a ton uh but as long as that power sticks around i believe he can feel the position but like you said, Carlos Santana, you know, playing the position right now. G-Man Choi has, you know, started to take grounder, started to swing a little bit. Uh, had Jason Mackey on my show uh, 
just, you know, came on yesterday and was, you know, saying, you know, probably about within a month, you know, G-Man Choi will be back. But, I mean, both of them could be gone or at least there would be more playing time or more room, you know, after uh, the trade deadline. Yeah. If Malcolm Nunez continues to play like he's played in May, I, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that he's standing out there in, you know, end of August, beginning of September, if he continues to hit the way he is. Yeah. And another guy who is a, uh, a name that you mentioned that above 800 OPS at the AAA level, Aaron Shackleford, a name that a lot of people might not be familiar with, despite being in the level closest to the major leagues, but he's also having almost a very comparable year to Malcolm Nunez. And if you like flipped their stats, Malcolm Nunez would be like, as you said, you wouldn't be surprised he was here. But if you flip their stats based off of the, just the splits, Nunez would probably be here a lot quicker. Shackleford, again, uh, also a 255 average, 394, 446, and an 840 OPS. Same amount of home runs, considerably lower on the RBIs with 12. Uh, seven doubles, though, and one triple. So Shackleford is kind of one of those guys where you're going to notice this throughout this um this entire show is there's going to be guys on here that you're going to be like, who and who is this? But these are also guys that can make impacts on this team. And for a guy like Shackleford, um, is there really any big ceiling for him or is he just kind of one of those quadruple A players you think? <laughs> He's the guy. The one thing that's, that's kind of surprising with him is he's actually a little bit more athletic as well. Uh, can play second base as well as first base. I, uh, he's he's a dynamite you you put his bat in the lineup and he's going to hit for power he's got a little bit of a strikeout issue uh as well but uh this would kind of be where if if there would be there's unfortunately like another injury like a santana would get injured like i could see shackleford being the one that's brought up right away mm -hmm. and as well you know nunez has the higher ceiling but I, I know you do the same thing I do. Uh, as I look at the floor, uh, he like doesn't have as high of a ceiling, but he has what I believe to be a higher floor yeah. than a Malcolm Nunez. Uh, he's kind of like he's a developed prospect. He what he's going to be is, is what he is now, and it's going to be like you know hitting two fifty, two sixty, hitting for some power. But he does also give you some of that that position flexibility. Uh, from first to second, but it's it's not like the normal one that you would see, like that, you know, he's only going to be a first baseman in a DH. Uh, he was somebody who I said, like, if, you know, you were thinking who was going to be brought up, you know, everybody always mentions, you know, bring up Nick Gonzalez, bring up Henry, bring up this. And I said, you know, Aaron Shackelford might be a dude that, you know, could kind of come up. And if he, you know, is on a, you know, a hot streak. He might be one of those guys that you, you would try to catch that, you know, as you bring him up, but he would also be one of those guys that you wouldn't be afraid to bring up as Ben Sherrington has done is that he would bring him up and wouldn't be, you know, if he's not performing well, like a Miguel Anjuar, you know, on an unfortunate, you know, DFA for Shackelford, not that I want to see that for him, but he would be one of those guys that, you know, if you brought him up, you wouldn't be concerned about, you know, bringing him up, putting him back down, bringing him up, putting him back down because he's not that level of prospect. But he, he definitely does have, have a decent floor. Oh, yeah. And, again, a lot of this stuff, AAA, of course, is supposed to be the point where you make that leap. But we've seen the Pirates 
move away from that a little bit. You've seen guys come up from double A. Uh, Josh Palacios was in triple A before he got called up, but we've seen it in the past where Charrington does not shy away from pulling up guys from double A. But we'll get into the triple A pitchers that have impressed myself and probably Craig here in just a moment. But I want to let you guys know about the wonderful people over at Bird Dogs. Use code Locked on MLB for a free tumbler. You guys know I show it every single time. It's awesome. You get the little bird on the bottom. You get the little bird right there. You get a free one with every purchase. So make sure you uh, go check out Bird Dogs. They're fit, comfortable, and they're versatile. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter the promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. So again, Bird Dogs, make sure you check them out. They're absolutely awesome. And of course, on tomorrow's show, we have Mailbag Friday. Don't forget to put your questions in for that. I've gotten a couple of good ones already that I could probably map out for the whole show, but I always love having a bunch of questions just in case. This name, Craig, for AAA pitching should come as no surprise. Uh, Quinn Priester is having a pretty solid year so far in Indianapolis. Uh, 43 and two-thirds innings pitched. All of my Yinzers will love the ERA, a 4-1-2 ERA. Uh, 44 strikeouts, 14 walks, a 1.282 whip, a 9.1 strikeouts per nine, and a 2.9 base on balls per nine. I think people have heard about Quinn Priester at nauseum uh, for quite some time now. We know what he is. He's going to be one of the higher-touted pitchers out of this system. Mike Burrow's injury kind of opens the door, I think, a little bit more for him now to come up before – a guy like Burroughs, who I think was a little more polished. What does Priester still have to work on, though, before he can make that big league jump? Well, for Priester, it's it's always been about, and I talk about this, if he wants to be the four-seamer at the top of the zone or if he wants to be the two-seamer, the sinker, you know, coming down into uh, the bottom of the zone. Uh, for the first month of the season, he had like a 7-18 ERA, and he was working – in the top of the zone a little bit more, was getting more of the swing and miss, had a higher, you know, K per nine, uh, but is realizing that if he works that sinker in, he can go longer into games, doesn't get as many, you know, strikeouts, but does, you know, get the soft contact. And I mean, he does have that ability still. I think it was like a couple of starts ago, he had nine strikeouts. So it's not that it's not in there for him. But I feel like he's becoming a little bit more of, of a polished pitcher. He has one of the best curveballs uh, in the system, one of the best. It's like a 12-6. I mean, that thing drops off. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, that maybe that they figured out that tunnels a little bit better with the sinker. Because if you're getting a, you know, a low 90 sinker and then you're getting a mid-80s curveball – they kind of come in looking exactly the same, and that curveball just completely <laughs> drops off the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for him, I think that I want to see him work that a little bit more, see if he can stay with that a little bit more consistently. I still see him as a a, a September call-up, a, kind of like an ala Luis Ortiz last year. There's even with – I mean, even with, you know, Rich Hill – possibly being on the trade block with, you know, Vince Velasquez coming back from injury and him possibly be, you know, on the trade block. You still have a a full arsenal there uh, of pitchers and it wouldn't even, you know, 
include Priester at that point in time because I, I see Charrington as a guy that you know once they bring you know somebody up they they really want to keep them up there. Luis yeah. Ortiz might have been a little bit of a exception to that rule just because they asked him to work on a completely new pitch. Uh, and develop that so that needed to be polished off a little bit in the minor leagues. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, Quinn Priester's done everything that's asked of him. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd like to see that continue uh, for a little bit more, especially since, you know, he got off to such a slow start at the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah, of course. And, <laughs> again, Priester's one of those guys where there's a couple of check boxes, especially with the other two guys that I'll mention, too, with any pitcher that you want. You want to see strikeouts, limiting walks, stay healthy. That's what I always say about these minor league pitchers. And as you mentioned right now, uh, the way the rotation looks, they they don't really need help right now. I like that you mentioned Rich Hill. I think that'll become a topic of conversation come trade deadline time because Rich Hill will probably get traded to a contending team. It's just what the Pirates do. They did it last year with Quintana and Tyler Anderson the year before. So, even then, though, I mean, you're looking at a rotation of Keller, Contreras, uh, Velasquez, Oviedo, and Luis Ortiz. And, again, does Priester fit into that this year? Maybe not. Maybe he does. It's something that we'll visit, of course, at some point. And another name that you could probably throw into that kind of conversation of being right on the fringe but probably not being able to get up here right away is Osvaldo Beto, who's at 40 innings pitched right now, a 3-8-3 ERA, 44 strikeouts. The walks are a little bit higher than what Priester is offering at 20, but he does have a 1.3 whip, a 9.9 strikeouts per nine, and almost five based on balls per nine. So I think it's pretty clear just from those statistics that he needs to bring the walks down but what does Osvaldo Beto offer that Quinn Priester might not offer? I mean, for him, it's it's more just about being the age and being the late bloomer, and you kind of want to see what you have with him. I mean, not that you don't want to see what you have with one of your top pitching prospects, especially, you know, one of the top healthy ones, yeah. uh, and, and at the upper levels. So, I mean, I, I would kind of want to see them bring, you know, Beto up and see what they have with him, see if he fits into, you know, we have a lot of guys that profile as as potential uh, starters, but they also have you know pretty strong you know bullpen profiles as well. I mean, Johan Oviedo could work out of the bullpen. Luis Ortiz obviously could work out of the bullpen. Had a great start the other night, but if he would struggle or whatever, I mean, he has two very solid pitches. Vince Velasquez last year for the White Sox actually didn't do you know too poorly when he was you know, relegated to the bullpen. So with Beto, I could see him being the call up before Priester, just because at that age, you want to see, you know, what you have with him. And I mean, he's performed fairly well. Like you said, the walks, not something you want to see, but, you know, pitched pretty well in, in spring training. And I think he's definitely on the Pirates radar. And like you said, you just want to see what you have with him. Oh, yeah. And then another guy who does not have nearly as many innings pitched, but was still somebody that jumped off the page for me a little bit in AAA is Hunter Stratton. Hunter Stratton, another guy that a lot of people might not be familiar with, but this kid is striking people out at will right now. 18 one-thirds innings pitched, 295 ERA, 27 strikeouts, a 1.691 whip. Now keep in mind, this is all over 18 innings, so that would be compared to about on average, about three to four starts at the major league level. 
but a 13.3 strikeouts per nine and a six base on balls per nine. Hunter Stratton, to me, is one of those guys that I think would profile more as a bullpen guy. I'm not sure if I'm right on that. But just based off of like what I've seen and what I've heard about Hunter Stratton, I think he would be more of one of those bullpen arms that the Pirates could have, or one of those starters that could eventually be a contributor to the bullpen at some point. Hunter Stratton, they've they've been using him as an opener, so I mean, yeah. he'll, so he's he's definitely uh, he performed well in Altoona back in 2021. Uh, he's a guy that I actually had on like a a short list to protect from the rule five. I didn't have, you know, great numbers in Indianapolis last year. He's, he's definitely, he, he may have gotten squeezed out a little bit in people's minds just because you put Cody Bolton in the bullpen, you put Carmen Majinski in the bullpen and, you know, Hunter Stratton doesn't have, I mean, doesn't have that, you know, high ceiling, the sexy profile I'll say for, for a pitcher, but you know, he can get the job done. I, you know, you got to build the, the bullpen here at some point in time. I, I could see him being one of those guys that, you know, could get the call up and get rotated in there. I, I'd like to see that as well. I mean, but if you, if you have Bolton, Majinski, Stratton, uh, Holderman, you know, Bednar, something like that in the bullpen, I, it, it wouldn't look too bad to me. Yeah, and uh, honestly, uh, there was a question that I got about what the Pirates would do with the trade deadline, and I think it's going to be a mixture of buying and selling. And the Pirates do have some bullpen arms that I think are going to be hot commodities on the market because we all know relievers are hot commodities on any trade market in a year. So I could see the Pirates moving one of them because of the fact that they have depth at this position now for the first time in a while. Like, at the end of the day, if Beto, Stratton, or Priester were to be on this roster pitching somewhere, people wouldn't be upset. Now, obviously, you'd want to see Beto and Priester in the rotation. There we go. Pause on uh, Anyways, what I was saying is um, – Teaser Velasquez to the bullpen if they're struggling. So that would be a good kind of one offer there for us. But before we get into the rest of this show, I want to let you guys know about the wonderful people at Rocket Money because Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB to save up to $720 a year today. So now we move to Altoona. And you know what? I know Craig loves talking about prospects, so this will be a longer show. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> you guys will love it. And I'll uh, probably put timestamps in the uh, description of the show. That way you guys can see where which system we're on. Double um, A Altoona, you're, you're going to probably know who I'm starting with here, Craig. Um, Hitting-wise, it's all about Henry Davis. Henry Davis is the guy that, 
Pirates fans one up here. He needs to be at the major league level. Why is he not there over delay and hedges? The, we, we've heard every side to this argument already that we need to hear. Something that can't be argued is the fact that he's slashing 299, 457, 615, and over 1,000 in the OPS department with 10 home runs and 26 RBIs. He is absolutely killing Altoona or double-A uh, pitching. He's also had stints in right field. He's catching. He's doing everything the Pirates are asking him to do. Obviously, the reason he's in double-A is because Andy Rodriguez is in triple-A, and they need to see both of these guys catch. Is it sooner rather than later, though, you think that we see Henry Davis making a jump of some sort, depending on what the Pirates want to decide to do here? I mean, I think they have their... uh... (laughs) <laughs> they're they're getting pressured into it at this point in time just be, and not by the fans by by his play mm-hmm. and and i see uh i had talked to jared prugar from the altoona mirror and the the right field thing in the beginning uh was kind of to give his legs a rest uh the minor leagues have have a fairly weird schedule they have uh you know, six days on, one day off they have mm-hmm. if you throw a day game in there you can't catch back to back games uh, but at this point in time, I, I also see it as a way to to possibly get him up to the major leagues or up to AAA sooner rather than later, just because then he doesn't have to catch every day. And he's he's actually not ready to catch every day. The blocking, the receiving, the framing, the game calling are, are all a little bit behind. Everybody knows he has a ridiculous arm. He's throwing guys out down there. He's throwing guys out from from right field. So I see it at this point in time as more of a way that if you could, you know, have him catch a couple days, have him play right field a couple days, and then maybe DH another day. Because mm-hmm. that's the other part is you're going to have to get him regular bats. As as poor as, as Hedges hits, he has the defense. Delay has been a little bit better of a hitter, but we've seen, you know, some of the defensive stuff fall behind. So people are like, well, you know, then why just, you know, but just put Henry Davis back there. Well, you, if you're bringing a guy up and he's your, your one, one, you know, player uh, for draft pick, do you really want to see him struggling behind the plate as much as hedges? Like the, to me, like, I, I don't want to put him through that. I don't mm-hmm. want to put th- him through like, you know, doing all the game stuff. Uh, but sooner rather than later, he's going to have to come up. Yes. And, Again, I I understand that people want it and they want it now, but let's also remember that they did this last year with O'Neill Cruz and Cruz was performing similarly, if not better than Henry Davis is performing now. And at the end of the day, they have the plan in place for Henry and Indy. We know they do. Do we know what that plan is? Of course we don't, because if we did, I'd be talking about it. We don't know what that plan is, but We don't really need to talk about Henry Davis that much anymore because everybody knows about Henry Davis. He's the guy. Then we move on to another hitter in AA that I remember when I started this podcast almost three years ago. He was the guy that I was like, okay, cool. This is our first baseman. Hasn't worked out that way. Mason Martin has to have the funniest stat line in all of minor league baseball, Craig. He has a 202 average and a 926 OPS. 414 uh, on base percentage, 512 slugging. Seven home runs, 19 RBIs, five doubles, 32 strikeouts to 29 walks. 
He's your typical three-outcome guy. Home run, strikeout, walk. That's basically what he is. He has some doubles sprinkled in there. But is there a reason why Mason Martin has never taken that next step? Or is it just something at this point that, I mean, I hate to use the term again, but is he just a quad A player? I mean, I, I, at this point in time, I can't say that he's anything more than that. And I, I wish he was. But, I mean, when you see the strikeout rates go up as much, I mean, he's he struck out a ton last year in AAA. And, and you may add on to that once you come up to the major leagues. So you'd have a guy with like a 40% strikeout rate yeah. in the major leagues. He's when he hits the ball, he hits it a mile he doesn't hit it often enough. I mean, that's yeah. just, it's just that simple. He pl- actually plays good defensively at first base. As I said before, when we were talking about Malcolm Nunez, but at this point in time, like Mason Martin, it, it's, he's a highlight reel when he, when he hits the ball, but when he doesn't, I mean, he just kind of disappears off, off of the map. Yeah. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. Cause I am not a bashing person. I'm not, I, that's one thing I think Craig knows about me is I'll, I'll read the stats to you and tell you they're garbage, but I'm not going to like go on a tirade about how bad Mason Martin uh, has been since I started this show. Uh, we'll do a quick one here. Cause a lot of people got to see Leo Piguero last year. He's in double a again. So uh, him and Nick Gonzalez, kind of a similar Henry Davis ND situation, can get their ample at bats. Piguero's having a pretty solid year 270, 343, 432, 766. Um, OPS, four home runs, 21 RBIs. We kind of, again, I think it goes back to the question you asked before can Piguero play shortstop? Because uh, the second base stuff, there's so many second basemen in this system at this point that one of them, is going to have to figure out how to play shortstop behind O'Neill Cruz or with O'Neill Cruz. In the event, maybe even O'Neill Cruz moving to the outfield, you're going to need one, and they need one now too. So is Piguero that guy, or is he also just one of those guys that might fall under the category of second base not able to play shortstop? I mean, at this point in time, I think that that's where he's most comfortable at is, is second base. Uh, the, the errors at shortstop have, have been a little bit concerning. A lot of people talk about he does have the footwork. He has the range. So I don't know if that's you know something that can be worked on. But with him, I mean, the biggest thing is if, if the bat's there, I think that he is a guy that it could be athletic enough. I've even talked about him moving to the outfield um, mm-hmm. at some point in time. But for him, it's got to be the bat. He hit real well at the beginning of last year. Uh, struggled after his, you know, extremely small cup of coffee in the majors just kind of happened to come over just because there was, you know, an injury and he was in Altoona and came over for the weekend. Uh, But if the bat plays, it it wasn't playing in April. It is now playing in May for him. I think he's, he was just putting too much pressure on himself. I think he was pressing too hard. Uh, And now he's seeing the ball a lot better. He's, he's made some adjustments and, he's a good player. I mean, he's still only 22 years old in, in double a, I think he might've been a little bit frustrated with the the placement at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't think it was the wrong placement for him, but if you were thinking you were going to be following your buddy, Nick, you know, who you've been with the double play tandem, you know, up through the, the major up through the minor leagues, you know, to the major leagues, you would think, Hey, I'm going to be in triple a too. But I think, you know, he's right where he needs to be. 
Uh, if he continues to hit like this, like he was hitting at the beginning of last year, I think you, you have to find a place and you have to move him up. But like I said, I mean, you have Nikki G at second base. You know, is there a spot for him? Like you said, if I would think Pagaro would be the one that would have the ability uh, to move to shortstop. And I don't want to give up on that just yet, seeing that he is only 22 years old. Yeah, so, I mean, again, another guy that's very young that we still have to wait on. Uh, I'm a big Pagaro guy. I think he's going to be good. I think they're going to find somewhere to put him because his bat is going to play. Uh, to move on to the pitchers in A, all guys that – I wouldn't say they're all guys that are flying under the radar, but, again, with pitching, it's just so hard to talk about right now with this Pirates team because the starters at the major league level are just playing so well, and you have – arguably three or four guys that are going to be in that rotation until they're not. <laughs> um, so Sean Sullivan is a guy who has 34 and two thirds innings pitch 2.60 ERA. The whip is above a 1.1, 29 strikeouts, 12 walks, 7.5 strikeouts per nine. Sean Sullivan doing good stuff. I believe he's only 22. I think is when I looked it up. Is that right? I think he's, yeah, he's right around there. Cause he, yeah. Cause he, he was drafted as a junior last year and played in Greensboro. So, yeah, he'd probably be right around there. Yeah, so he's pitching well. Then you have Jared Jones, who's also pitching well with a three or, uh, three ERA and less innings pitch, 24. Also a whip above a 1.1, 28 strikeouts to seven walks. And Travis McGregor, who has a 1.15 uh, ERA in 24 innings, 28 strikeouts to 12 walks. So those are kind of the guys in Altoona right now that are the highlights of that rotation is there anybody that I missed in Altoona there or are these kind of the guys with your, when you're looking at Altoona as we record this that are the starters that we need to look at moving forward? I, I mean, I think the other only other one is probably Kyle Nicholas. Kyle Nicholas uh, thought he might uh, start in AAA uh, when the when spring training started, but when you saw who was probably going to be bumped down, that it would be okay for him to start back there. Hasn't had you know the greatest beginning of the year. I uh, started to bounce back a little bit. I believe the day of this recording, he's scheduled to go in Altoona at six o'clock today. Uh, Sean Sullivan is just a guy that he's—he's he's a good pitcher. Mm -hmm. he, he keeps guys off base. His whip, you know, stays fairly consistent. He's a guy that maybe flew under the radar a little bit down in Greensboro, just because he wasn't one of you know the top prospect guys, but performed well down there. I think it was like around like a one point three down in Greensboro, which is what I look for. Uh, when I'm looking at the Greensboro Grasshoppers, uh, Jared Jones, young kid, electric, his slider is actually working better than his fastball at this point in time. For him, it's always going to be, I think, about durability just because he doesn't have like the size of a regular starter. I mean, even when he was drafted and he was performing well down in Bradenton, a lot of people talked about him having probably the profile and the build of, you know, a reliever. But I don't think his his drive and his mindset is there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he did go through a little bit. I think he was on the he was off for, you know, 15 days, uh, was on the injured list, just, you know, nicked up a little bit. But he's electric. I mean, watching his stuff, he and he is just a competitor, not that all these guys aren't, but when you see somebody on the mound, like I saw him down in the backfields when I was down in Bradenton uh, for, for spring training, 
guy just has a drive. And, and so, yeah. And, and for Travis Gregor, he's a little bit, uh, he's, he's going to be a bullpen guy. If he would be anything a little bit older for the level, but he's a guy that that's, that's performing well. You, you, you have to have those guys. I, I would almost comparable to like a, to a Hunter Stratton as to, you know, performing in Altoona, see if he can perform in Indianapolis. Oh yeah. And that's one thing that's very um, optimistic right now that I would say from my standpoint, of course, not knowing a lot about, the minor leagues um, as much as I should, but I know, and I would say I know enough, but I don't know. I'm not like your level or locked on MLB prospects, Lindsey Crosby's level, obviously, but you can look at this farm system right now and see that they have some real pitching depth all the way down. And we're going to talk about another guy shortly after we get through the high A Greensboro hitters that a lot of people are already high on from last year's draft, I think, but we'll talk about that shortly as we move down to Greensboro, which I've been talking to myself that I need to get down to a game there. I don't live that far away from Greensboro. I've heard it's a very nice stadium. I've heard there's a lot of fun stuff that goes on on game day down there. So I need to get down there. Jackson Glenn, Craig, was one of the guys that when I looked at his stat line, I was like, I know it's high Greensboro, but wow. Uh, 343, 422, 571, 993. Now, what I will say about these Greensboro hitters, and Craig will tell you the same thing, Greensboro is a hitter's ballpark, bare none. It, it, is, it's ju- it just is. It is what it is. It is a hitter's paradise down there. So a lot of these numbers could be inflated the way you want to look at it. But six home runs, 28 RBIs, and six doubles for Jackson Glenn. Obviously, these guys are guys that are probably not going to have a big impact on the team this year, obviously, um, down, more down-the-road guys. But what does Glenn, you think, profile as, like, long-term? Does he have short-term, like, growth that he has to still make, obviously? But what is his long-term growth that could potentially give him a future impact on this team? Well, for one thing, Jackson Glenn, I believe, is 25 years old. Uh, he mm-hmm. was one of those guys that was one of the underslots. He's a good hitter, uh, but I've been kind of pushing that, you know, he kind of – I want to see what he can do in Altoona just at that age because he would even be, like, maybe a little bit old for, for you know, double A at this point in time. But when you have Pagaro, you have Gonzalez, he's a second baseman. That's what he is. Uh, it's it's hard to to bump him up above that. But I'd want to see if if something there is is real, and you have to do it sooner rather than later because of his age. Yeah, and a lot that's what you'll get to with a lot of these guys too. Is some of these guys are performing well, but they do profile as kind of guys that are already past what the normal age of what we would expect from a prospect is. Usually I'd say 18 to 23, even 17 in some cases is where you would expect a lot of these prospects to be age-wise. But of course you have the Drew Maggies of the world who are, he's a very rare case. Um, you have the um, the Jackson Glens of the world. You have a lot of these guys that are already about to be 25, 26 to the point where they're just going to have to make decisions on them eventually. Sung Shi Shang, a name that we heard about a lot in the offseason during that quiet period. Uh, he was picked up by the Pirates, I believe, in the international signing period. 288, 394, 553, 947 slash six home runs, 19 RBIs. He does strike out a bit. He does walk a lot too, but he has seven doubles, five triples, and 11 stolen bases. So kind of your five-tool player, I would I would expect. 
from this guy. So what can you uh, tell people more about him, seeing as he was kind of one of those highly touted pickups in the international signing period? When he played for Bradenton last year, he, he underperformed a little bit. I wouldn't say he had a bad season. So I was really looking forward to see what he would do in Greensboro. Uh, and with him, he's he's just a high-contact guy, high, high electricity. He's speedy, like you said, on the base pass. Uh, he's one of those people that kind of profiles as your prototypical, you know, leadoff hitter, gets on base, creates chaos, you know, plays good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm, I am not disappointed at all of what I've seen from him. He's another guy that I want to see in Altoona, you know, just because, you know, Greensboro, it's like you said, it's just so hard. He does have some pop. So even if it shows up in Greensboro, it was real um in Bradenton last year so but he's also a guy that's going to be like the eight to ten home run you know type of guy not you know anything kind of crazy but he's also competing uh with Trace Gonzalez for for spots you know in the leadoff spot uh just because they kind of profile you know very similar not a ton of power speed on the base pass good defense so uh Cheng is a guy that I think I put like on, you know, my, my prospects to watch the beginning of this year. Uh, but selfishly, I go to a decent amount of Altoona games. So I'd like to see him up sooner rather than later. Yeah. So you'll notice with Craig, of course, he goes to Altoona games a lot. He's a curver, as I like to call the people that love double A <laughs> Altoona. So obviously you want to see a lot of these guys come up here again to mention with these hitters that it's a hitters ballpark in Greensboro, Altoona. Kind of, kind of, sort of, but not as much as Greensboro. The final hitter that I had on here was a guy that has been in the system, I think, for a long time. I don't remember exactly how long, but I know he's been here for a while. And that's Sammy Siani. Always kind of been that guy that's just been in the lower levels, kind of offers good stuff. Um, 247, 381, 441, 821 OPS, five home runs, 15 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. Again, a lot like Chang can do a lot on the base pass. Siani's just, I would say he's probably one of those guys. Is he just going to be like a career minor leaguer? Or do you ever expect him to take a big step? I mean, I, I kind of see, I don't know why I always like lump like Travis Swaggerty, Hudson head, Sammy Siani into like a similar, I don't know, basket, I guess it would be is that, you know, the bat hasn't come around as much as you would hope. The defense is elite. And I mean, it's, I was hoping, like I said, for these types of guys to have a little bit higher of an average, a little bit more of an on base, but it seems like, I don't know if he's selling out more for power, if it's coming just because he's in Greensboro. Still still fairly young, even though uh, you know, it seems like he's been around for forever. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it was – it might have been Siani that I might have seen his, his – he was like with the West Virginia Black Bears, I believe, in, in 2019. Um somewhere around in there so i it's just he just kind of has that profile but you want to see him take a little bit more of a step uh than he's taken uh but you know some of these guys you you know don't see them and don't appear until you know they show up in altoona who knows but yeah i i just want to see a little bit more from him 
Yeah, so in 2019, he was in rookie ball. He's also played in Bradenton, Greensboro, Sydney, Australia, and Greensboro in his career. Uh, so I don't know if he was ever with the Black Bears. Uh, he probably was, but it might well, well, it depends. Be- yeah, it depends if you're looking at Fangraphs. They they put rookie and rookie can was to them was either West Virginia or Bristol. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and look. But for some reason, I I just thought that he was there. I went down. That's uh, the crazy part is that's when I went down to see JT Brubaker make his uh, rehab start that year. Um, but uh, yeah, so he kind of fits into that mold, but has never really just taken that step forward that his, you know, I feel, feel like his ceiling has. Mm-hmm. He's he's more, you know, I don't even, even know if he's kind of just been more of like a, a floor guy right at this point in time. Now, I will get into this one very very ecstatically because i think he i'm not saying right now not saying anytime soon but i do think this guy could finally fix the problem the pirates have of not being able to develop a lefty because anthony Solometto is freaking awesome i don't care what anybody tells me right now any any prospect guy could tell me nah he's garbage like he's never going to be anything and i'd say nah he's going to be great anthony Solometto. When they drafted him and I looked at his film immediately, I was like, okay, yeah, he's got it. Now, obviously, Anthony Solomeno, he has that kind of wonky uh, pitching motion that obviously when he was drafted, a lot of people told me it ain't going to look like that when he gets to the major league level. It just wouldn't work. But what's working for him right now is pitching at high A Greensboro, 42 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 3.16 ERA, a 1.195 whip, 52 strikeouts to 22 walks, so an 11 strikeouts per nine to a 4.6 base on balls per nine. As you can tell, Craig, I really like Anthony Solomeno. What is there really else to like about Anthony Solomeno that I might not already know? And everything you just mentioned, man, and it's the whip in Greensboro, and he's painting the corners. I mean, he has such control of of all of his pitches. The, the guy is exciting. He's electric. He's still young. I mean, kind of being advanced with him in previous years, previous regime, I mean, he probably would have, you know, started back out in Bradenton again. But uh, – up to Greensboro, want to see what he has. He's kind of following the the Jared Jones trajectory that they're using for some of their advanced or more advanced uh, high school arms. Uh, but here's the thing is I would just – if he's – I don't know what else he can do to prove. Like, he's ready for Altoona at this point in time. This is a guy that you could fast track. This is a guy that you could have up here uh, in two years and be a very young electric arm. And I'm glad they didn't mess with his his delivery because as funky as it looks, he it's repeatable for him and he can do it. And he, like I said, he he's just been awesome. Oh yeah, and again, he's an, he's definitely a guy that I think not this year, but maybe next year could be on the Luis Ortiz trajectory that we saw Luis Ortiz take, where he starts at Altoona and then all of a sudden just skyrockets right through the system, maybe makes a cameo in 2024 at the end of that year. So he's he's a guy that obviously me and Craig are very excited about, but this year obviously not going to make really any impact on this team, not even really any impact next year either. But by the end of 2024, you're going to be talking about Anthony Solomeno as your 
left-handed option in the starting rotation, which we've seen the Pirates the last three years with Hill, um, Hill, Quintana, and Anderson have to go out in free agency and find these guys. Once Anthony Solomeno comes up here, and if he proves what he really is at the major league level, you're not going to see the Pirates do that much anymore because they're going to have it for free. They're going to have it just because they drafted the kid. Then you move on to a name not a lot of people, including myself, really know. Uh, Jacob Deese. By the way, I love how he spells his name. It's J-A-Y-C-O-B. Adds a nice little, like, rogue Y in there for Jacob. But a 25 and two-thirds innings pitch pitcher. The ERA is kind of up there. It's a 4-9-1. But he does have a whip over 1.1. He has a 20 strikeout total to only five walks. Kind of one of those guys that in Greensboro, again, if the whip is above a 1.1 or a 1.2, you're going to be pretty happy about what that pitcher is doing in that ballpark. So I would assume Deese is more of the project guy. Like he's going to be a minor leaguer for quite some time before we talk about him ever making an impact at the MLB level. What does he offer? Like what is, what kind of pitcher are we getting from him? You're getting a strong reliever and it's a guy that wasn't really on my radar a ton uh, coming to this season, especially with, you know, the starting rotation that you would have in Greensboro, uh, some some higher impact arms, but has performed extremely well. Uh, and like you said, as long as the, the whip is low uh, in Greensboro, that's all you kind of really need to worry about an ERA. I, I mean, to me, as long as it's below five in Greensboro, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, and that's what you really like to see. A 491, again, it sounds like a bigger number than it is, but – Again, just go look at the scorecards for any game that's played in Greensboro, and you'll see that runs are a plenty. And then the last player that we'll talk about today, another one of those young pitchers that I'm actually pretty high on, uh, Michelle Miliano. A lot of people thought his name was Mitchell Milano when he was first drafted, and he had to kind of fix that for people. It's like, no, it's Michelle Miliano. There's a row, there's like two eyes in there. It's just really hard to read when you're seeing his name on like really small print because the eyes kind of like go into the L. But also, uh, a guy that compares pretty well to Deese right now in terms of innings pitch 23 innings pitch, 430 ERA. The whip is insane. It's a 1.696 for him right now. 35 strikeouts, 18 walks. So he's almost at 14 strikeouts per nine, Craig. Uh, Miliano, again, one of those guys that I think is going to be a project for quite some time, uh, was not drafted too long ago in Greensboro for a reason. With him being the last player we talk about, is there anybody else that you think that I didn't mention that obviously we have Andy Rodriguez, but we don't need to mention him again. Is there anybody else that you think what off this list that I didn't mention that people might need to key in on over the next couple of weeks or months? I mean, right now, and I know that we didn't even get down to, to, uh, to Brainton, but somebody that you could see if we're talking about Greensboro sooner rather than later, uh, JP Massey is a guy that's been absolutely lighting up. Bradenton, and you're talking about guys that are projects. I mean, he was a project in college. Uh, he played for uh, Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. Didn't have a ton of control, but had, I mean, like electric stuff. Was set to transfer to Missouri, uh, but then was drafted by the Pirates, brought up, and uh, you just you need to have him because he's he's a little bit of an older arm because he's a college guy. Uh, he's a guy that needs to be up in Greensboro. So if anybody's like, you know, 
checking the, the box scores or watching some Greensboro Grasshoppers games, I would want to see J.P. Massey as soon as possible. He still has a little bit of an issue with the walks, but the strikeouts are definitely up. Uh, the whip is low. The ERA is, is pretty much been non-existent for this month. Uh, so J.P. Massey is somebody I would be keeping an eye on, and, and it's probably going to get mentioned more often than not for uh, Pirates fans. And again, the Pirates for, I believe, the third straight year are fielding a top 10 prospect farm right now. They have the number one pick this year, so that farm's only going to get better depending on who they decide to take in July. Uh, obviously, Craig will talk about that more when that comes and that you'll be a big integral part of that alongside Lindsey Crosby of Locked on MLB Prospects. Craig has other things going on today, I believe. Are you doing um, brews and what, what is it called again? The, the, the minor league news and brews. Uh, Going to be uh, interviewing Zach Buchanan. Uh, he was the former beat writer for the Arizona Diamondbacks over at The Athletic, but they have him focusing on prospects at this point in time. Written some stuff, got some scouting reports on Henry Davis and Manuel Torero, Tamar Johnson. Uh, so I've got that coming out uh, uh, probably later on Friday. Gotcha. So that's what he'll be doing this uh, the remainder this week for us. Of course, Mailbag Friday is tomorrow. We'll be answering your questions throughout most of the show, and then we'll, of course, be taking a look at the Seattle Mariners series that we have coming up. We get late-night buckos for the first time this year, baby. 10-10 Eastern on Friday. Uh, God, I hate that. I, I hate it, too. Well, hey, we got lucky with the San Francisco Giants series next week because that Monday game on Memorial Day is a 2.05 local time start. So it'll be at five in the afternoon. Thank God. And then I think the game the next day is 845 or 945. I can't remember which one it is. Um, so really, this is the first late night buckos of the year against the uh, Seattle Mariners. I always love the late night buckos games. They're pretty fun to watch. But guys, thank you for tuning into this one hour of prospect talk with Craig Toth. You can't ever go wrong with that. Hopefully you guys learned a lot about some players that you might not have known about in the minor league system so far this year. Some guys that just go to baseball reference or MLB.com or Fangrass and go take a look at them throughout the year. Of course, you have MILB TV. It's very cheap if you want to watch these games. Most of the Indianapolis games are available on um, video. Altoona, I also believe, is available pretty heavily on video. And then Greensboro is always kind of back and forth on audio and video. And then Bradenton, I think, is like almost always audio. So make sure you go check those out. Again, Craig mentioned that Altoona plays a game tonight. I believe Indianapolis is also playing today, or are they off? Uh, they're all, everybody's playing today, either 6.05, 6.35, or 7.05 starts. And the Pirates don't play. So there's your opportunity to go ahead and watch some minor league baseball. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this longer episode of Locked on Pirates with Craig Toth. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter at Inside the Bucks Basement or Bucks Basement for short. Follow me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked on Pirates. Guys, thank you so much. Have a wonderful Rest of your Thursday, I will see you tomorrow. You'll see Craig next week. Gary on Monday, we'll always see you on the flip side.